Lord God, we come before you, and um, as we talk about this uh, topic of dating, it's something that, um, as you know, is um, just really is a it's a wound in my life. Um, it's something that I've made poor choices and poor decisions in this area, and um, and there are certain things that I know that I'll never be able to to remove. There are certain things that I'll be wounded for the rest of my life because of my poor decisions, and I really do not want that for any of these students. Um, I want them to be wise, but um, really it's going to take them to believe you and to trust you more than their heart, more than their emotions, more than their circumstances, and and that's something that very few people will actually do. And um, But I just want to thank you, God, just for your patience towards us, because even if we make mistakes in these particular areas, it's not the end. There's things that we can learn and grow from. It all comes back down to our heart attitude and if we really do want to live a life that honors you. So I pray this morning that you would help us, that you would open up our understanding, and that you would show us different things in our life that we need to do differently, uh, and that we'd be willing to do it. Um, But I know there's a huge gap between those two things, because we know what we need to do, we know what we ought to do, but oftentimes we just don't do it. So I pray that today would be different. So help us this morning. We need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we got our awesome triangle, which I listened to uh, Rick's message last night, and I noticed that all the markers were bad. So which marker should I use, Rick? Do you know? I blue. blue. One's blue. Fitty, fitty? Okay. Let's see. Jackpot! Got it. For now. Right, for now. For now. Jackpot. Right. Okay, so we got our awesome triangle, and so what do we have our sections here? We're going to do this God's way. What's our sections here? What's the bottom? Spiritual. The spiritual. I'm glad your takeaway from the message was the bad marker. Yeah, that's it. Everything else, I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally forget. No, I'm kidding. You did a great job, Greg. All right. The spiritual, and the next up from there, we got the emotional. emotional. <coughs> and lastly, Physical. the phi cycle. Okay. I'm sorry. I have a habit of mispronouncing things. Um, so anyway, so these are the, the approach. So what we're going to do over the next, uh, well, not next week because I won't be here or the week after, but when we go hiking on the 28th, we're going to pick up on the emotional. So the next few uh, that we end up going through, we've got the spiritual, emotional, physical. We're going to start off with the spiritual. And so what I would like us to do is we're going to talk about some of these principles and over the next couple of weeks, whoever's going to be teaching, whether it be Rick or Bobby or whoever or Andy or whoever's going to end up doing this one, um, this, this is going to be extrapolated. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks really compounding on this particular topic because this is the most important. This is the most important. And I would guess uh, most people, I'm not going to say this about you guys, you know where you're at, but most people, they are more emotionally ready and physically ready to date than they are spiritually ready. And that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem because this is your foundation. You don't go and build a house if you don't have a location. Right? Kind of weird. <laughs> you don't go and build a house if you haven't dug your foundation properly. You don't do it. It's ridiculous. The relationships you have are like building a house. And you have to have the proper foundation. If you don't, what's going to happen to the house? It's going to fall apart. And if you don't believe me, just go out into the world among your friends and among their parents and among celebrities and just examine their relationships and see how well they're actually doing. 
I mean, that's the evidence right there. I don't really need to prove my point other than just go out and look and see. The way that everybody else does relationships, it doesn't really last. Because it's all built upon emotional things and physical things. They don't base things on the spiritual. You go out and you find someone who has a rock-solid spiritual relationship with the Lord and with each other. And you will find that into their old, old, old marinating years, that they still have a great, great relationship. You know, one couple that I love dearly, and they bless me so much, is Dwayne and Norma Taylor. I love Dwayne and Norma Taylor. I love them to death. Norma, if you've never known this about Norma, she goes through the list of people's birthdays throughout the entire year. And if it's your birthday, she calls you, and if she doesn't get a hold of you, she leaves a message. And she, every year, every year, I get a phone call from Norma Taylor. They are going through health issues right now that are very, very difficult for their relationship and for them personally. And yet when you talk to Norma, it's as if nothing's wrong and everything's great. Now she'll be honest with you. She'll let you know when things are struggling and when things are not good, but you just the tone in her voice, she's just sweet, she's full of joy. And it's not necessarily because of Dwayne, it's because of Jesus Christ. And because of her attitude, her relationship with her husband is great, even when things are hard. So if you want a relationship that lasts into those years, you cannot base that relationship on emotional things, and you cannot base it on physical things. You can't. You can't. It's not going to work. You can go ahead and try, but I'm warning you, it's not going to work, and you will soon find out that it won't work, and then you will come back, and if you're humble enough, you will say, Stephen, you were right. Now, you can do that if you want, because I've done that. I have gone out, and I've tried to do it the wrong way, and I have been full of regret. Full of regret. Some of you have started already and you've gone it the wrong way and you're still going about it the wrong way and you've not learned the first, second, third, or fourth times. And I don't know why, but you just keep doing the wrong thing over and over again. Eventually, you've got to learn this. If you don't, then your life is going to be absolutely miserable. So if it's your goal to have an absolutely miserable life, then don't do anything that I say. Okay? All right. So let's talk about this. All right. Biblical guidelines for dating God's way. So if we are willing to believe God's word above our own understanding, and that's really key. I mean, you have to be willing to believe God's word above your own thoughts, your own emotions, everything. And purpose in our hearts to follow biblical wisdom over worldly wisdom, that you do things that no one else does because you want to trust God. Then we must be willing to establish biblical guidelines that will help us keep that will help keep us accountable. The questions contained in the following sections are meant to be answered honestly so that you can evaluate where you are and what you need to do to be ready to pursue the Lord in the worldly gray areas of dating. Because whether we like it or not, the way that the, this world has set up the whole dating system, it is what it is. This is kind of the system that we're in, but it's not necessarily the best system in the world. It's just not. But it is what it is. But it's not impossible to date successfully. It's not impossible. You can do it, but it takes some hard work. And, you know, I was listening to something this past week, and it was, um, oh, who's the money guy? Megan, do you remember? I was talking about that. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, that's right. So Dave Ramsey, he gave a financial principle that really it goes right in line with relationships. And he said, if you live like nobody else now, you will live like nobody else later. I love that statement because everybody else around you is willing to do whatever when it comes to the dating realm. They're following everybody else. They're doing what everybody else is doing. But if you're willing to live like nobody else now and do the right things now, then later on you'll live like nobody else and you'll have the best marriage that God could ever provide. 
it's all willing on what you it's all it's, it's all based on what you're willing to do now and if you're willing to actually take the steps to make the proper decisions now to have that kind of a relationship okay so the first thing that we've got to ask we've got three questions here and actually four if we flip it over but we've got four questions that we're going to ask ourselves this morning and the first thing is this am i in the center of god's will am i in the center of god's will how can you find someone that God has designed for you, has purpose for you, if you are not walking in the will of God? Like, if you're not walking where God wants you to walk, if you're not walking how God wants you to walk, how do you expect to find the person God wants you to, to be with? Answer? You can't. You can't. It's impossible. So this is the first place that you need to go. You need to be walking in the will of God first. So what does that mean? Well, in the New Testament, there are seven wills of God. And so I'm going to get some readers. And we're going to read all of these. So 2 Peter 3, 9. You want to say, Kent, um, go ahead and take uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 4. You got that one. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Jack, you got it. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15. Carson, Reese, take 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Sam, take Ephesians 6, 5 through 6. And Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Uh, let's go, Caitlin. You got that one. All right. So, am I in the center of God's will? Now, as everyone's looking up those passages, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to spend time with, but we just don't have time this morning, is 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, we've gone over this plenty of times. We went over this um, in summer camp a few years ago, but this is with David and Bathsheba. So, with David and Bathsheba, we know this story. He was supposed to be where? He was supposed to be out at the battle. But instead, where was he? At home. So he was supposed to be out on the front lines fighting, but instead he was at home. Okay, here's a great lesson for you guys. Part of being in the center of God's will means that when God tells you to be out there on the front lines doing the work God has called you to do, go out there and do it. If you're not willing to do the work that God has called you to do and you're sitting on your duff at home, you're going to fall into sin. Every time in my life that I've fallen into mistakes and sins in my life, it's because I'm not doing what God wants me to be doing. When my life is full of ministry things, when I am meeting with guys, when I'm meeting with the guys I'm discipling, when I am um, just out doing like even like this mission trip that I'm going on to Mexico, uh, when I'm when I'm you know whatever, when all these different things that I'm doing, where if I'm witnessing to somebody or evangelizing or I'm going to someone's house because they're hurting and they've lost somebody and I'm ministering to them, um, I'm getting in my Bible and I'm reading, I'm discipling, I'm meeting with people, I'm organizing stuff for activities my mind is so occupied by the things of God that I don't have time to mess around with other things part of your guys's problem is that you have too much spare time and many of you are like I don't have any spare time that's not true that's not true believe me believe me I've been in your shoes and I've been very busy just like you guys say that you're very very busy but I'm telling you you have spare time because in your spare time, you spend it doing ungodly things that lead to ungodly consequences. Where when you get older, you don't have time to do that kind of stuff. If you're going to still dabble in those things when you get older, it's going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your, your career even. I mean there's a lot of good people that people would call good because there's none good, right? We already talked about that this morning. There's none good. And so there's a lot of good people that have good jobs and good careers and they throw it all away because of their addictions because of their, their lust that they can't control. They completely just throw it away, completely throw it away. 
And it's the same thing on a spiritual level. So if you are walking in God's will, you're doing what God has told you to do, you don't have time to fall into sin. You don't. So many of you, the solution to some of your sin problems is get busy doing what God has told you to already do, but you've just been unwilling to do it. If you actually just do that, that would take care of probably 90% of your sin problems. It will. I guarantee it. And if you don't believe me, just try it and you'll find out. I'm telling you, if your mind is consumed with the things of God, you won't have time to be messing around and you won't get in trouble. So that's David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So these are the seven wills of God. The first one is I am repentant. So 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so the direct application is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone to be saved. Every single human being, it is in God's heart. He wants them to be born again, right? That's that verse. Devotionally, for those of you that are saved, this verse still applies to you. Because God is not willing that any should perish. Now, you may not perish eternally, but your time in your life here on this earth can certainly perish. Your testimony can perish. Your relationships can perish. Your purity can perish. God is not willing that any should perish. It is not in God's heart for you to be ungodly. It is not in God's heart for you to give up your purity and your innocence. It is not in God's heart for you to have an ungodly marriage. God wants the best for you. I mean, don't you want to have a good marriage? Don't you want to have someone that you can spend the rest of your life with that is that loves the Lord, that walks with them, that you have peace, that you have love in your home, that even when things are hard, you still care for one another and you support one another, and that you're not selfish and neither are they because you really do care for one another the way that God cares about you? That is a rich relationship. It's the, it's the most rich relationship I could possibly think of. Well, if you want that kind of relationship, then you need to start doing things now to have that kind of relationship. It's not something that's like, oh, I've met Prince Charming, and now it's just going to be bliss. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. And fellas, I'm going to go rescue the lady so that way I can have my woman. It's not going to work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Fairy tales in Disney is of the devil. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. It just does not work like that. Good relationships take work, hard work, humility, and truth. They do. And it begins with the Lord. It begins with the Lord. Because if you are not a truthful person, that means that you've not been willing to deal with yourself between you and God. If you are not a truth-filled person, then you are not going to be the right person for whoever is going to be with you. You're not. And I'm telling you, when you get married, you start to become like each other. Because you start to rub off on one another. You start to become like each other. So if you are ungodly and this person's godly, what's going to happen over time? They're going to become ungodly. They're, you're never going to be in a circumstance where a person is ungodly and the other person is godly and somehow they, their goodness kind of rubbed off on them. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not. And you can argue with me all day long, but it's not going to work. It doesn't work in nature. It doesn't work with human relationships. The only person that that works with is if you have an ungodly person with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only time that it works because he is the perfect standard. And he's the only one that can change the human heart. You can't. You cannot change the other person. 
So don't tell me that I'm walking with God and this person is ungodly and lost and somehow you're going to make them better. Mm-mm. You need to find someone who's better than you, who's godlier than you, and pursue them. That's what you need to do. Because if you're pursuing someone else that's godlier than you, then guess what's happened? Automatically. Standards are raised because now you need to be walking with God because they're not going to give you the time of day. This is how it works. And if you really want to have a good relationship, this is what you need to do. This is it. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth because I love you and I care about you and I want all of you. I would love for all of you. I mean, it is like in my heart, I would love one day for all of you guys to be married to the most godly person you could possibly find. And that when you get older and you have children, that I would watch you grow in your relationship with God. And then they have children and then it just continues. I would love that. That's one of the things that's in my heart. I would love that. I would love to see that. Unfortunately, most don't. Most don't. Because they're not willing to do what no one else does to have something that no one else can have later. So it begins with being repentant. Second will of God is to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 4. Okay, so I love this verse. I use three and four on purpose. So first of all, it's God's will for you to be sanctified, which means to be set apart apart unto God for his uses. For whatever God's will is, you're set apart unto him. You belong to him. You do what he wants you to do because you're his. Okay? It says to be sanctified. But then it says to abstain from fornication. And then after that, it says that everyone should know how to possess his vessel. What is your vessel? Your body. Your body. If you can't submit your vessel to the will of God, why do you think God would entrust someone to your care? He won't. I mean, there might be someone come into your life, but I'm telling you, it's not going to work. If you're not willing to yield your vessel to the will of God, especially in areas of fornication then why would God give you someone for you to take care of when you can't even take care of yourself? If you can't even walk with God on your own, how are you going to walk with someone else and walk with God? It's not going to be possible. It's not going to be possible. So you have to be repentant first. Have that repentant heart attitude. You have to be sanctified. You've got to know how to possess your own vessel. And it begins with being sanctified unto God. Number three, that I'm not conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2. Okay, so that I'm not conformed to this world. You don't look like the world. You don't sound like the world. You don't follow the ways of the world. You're different. You don't fit in. If you fit into the world too much, you are being conformed to the world. Your mind is not renewed. You cannot walk with God. If you look too much like the world, you are not walking with God. You can't. can't. Have you ever tried to walk on two sides of a fence? I mean, physically. Have you ever even thought about how that would even work out? It's not going to work. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. You will die. You will be split in half. You will die. (laughs) I mean, I'm just speaking literally. And we can take this to a spiritual application. That's fine. Because it works. You can't. 
You can't have one foot in the world and one foot with God. You might pretend like you do, like you might have this fence that's built and you're in the world, you know, all week long or whatever. And then on Sundays or whenever you meet with your disciple or you've got one foot in, hey, what's up? And then you kind of play that role, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to break down eventually. It cannot work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I obey the authorities in my life. Ooh, ouch, ouch. I obey the authorities in my life. First Peter 2, 13 through 15. No, it's two. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto government, unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay, so if you are rebellious to the authorities in your life, then people are going to be able to call you a hypocrite. That's what those verses say, very clearly. You are a one giant hypocrite because you're not willing to yield to the authorities that are in your life. So it is God's will that you obey those authorities so that way you can have a good testimony. Is that you? I live a life of thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are you a thankful person? You know, Are you someone that people know that if they were to do something nice for you, you actually just say thank you? Do you have a heart for other people? Do you? Do you respect other people? Because a thankful person is a very joyful person. How much joy do you actually have in your life? I have a right heart attitude. Ephesians 6, 5, and 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as the teachers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So when you obey your parents, your teachers, your other authorities in your life, do you do it because it's in your heart to do it? Do you have a good heart attitude? Is it something that's like, no, this is the right thing to do, and I really want to do this? Now, no, I'm doing it just because they told me. That's a big difference. It's not enough just to obey the authorities in your life. You have to take it a step further, and you have to obey them because you know it's in your heart. You have a good heart attitude towards it. If you don't, you're not going to be in the will of God. And then lastly, number seven, I am not wasting time. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because Okay, so it is God's will for you not to waste time. Is there any time that you have that is just wasted? That when you're done with whatever it is, you realize, oh my gosh, I could have been much more fruitful with that. Is there anything like that in your life? Because when you're doing things according to God's will, you will never waste time. You will not waste time. You'll realize the time that you have. You realize that your time is short. I mean, how many of you know the day you're going to die? Anybody? Like you went ahead and just made an appointment and said, I know that I'm going to die on this day. Said, um... oh, yeah, no. no, not those crazy algorithms. No. No one knows the day of their death. No one knows the day of their death. Even people, even people that commit suicide may not be successful. Am I right? Okay, so no one knows the day of their death, all right? You don't know how many days, how many hours, how many minutes you have left. You don't. And all of them have been given to you by God. And I don't know if you realize this, but there's going to come a day where you're going to give an account for the time that he gave you. And what did you do with it? Did you spend it wisely? It's God's will that you would not waste the time that he gave you. So, 
Am I in the center of God's will? I am not saying that you need to be perfect in all these things. That is not what I'm saying at all, because that is impossible. You'd have to be Jesus to do all these seven things, right? So you, you cannot do all of these things. However, it is, is it in your heart to do all these things? Do you really deep down desire to be this kind of a person? If you do, then you will walk in the will of God. I'm not saying that you're going to do it perfectly. Not at all. Not at all. Because that's ridiculous. Well, Stephen said we can't date until we're walking in the will of God. No. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's about who you are. It's about the person that you are. It's not necessarily about what you do. It's about who you are here. It's about your heart attitude towards all of these things. Do you truly desire to be repentant towards God? Do you want to be used by God for, his, for whatever he wants you to do? Do you not want to be conformed to this world? And you hate the times where you find yourself appealed to the things of this world. Do you, obey, do you really want to obey the authorities in your life? And is your heart really smitten inside of you when you disobey the authorities in your life and you feel just terrible about it? And then you actually repent and you apologize for it. Are you thankful? Or maybe when you take things for granted, then you realize your sinfulness. And you're like, you know what, God, I have so much to be thankful for. Do you have a good heart attitude? There are times where we don't, but we recognize that and we go back to number one and we're repentant again about our heart attitude. And we know that sometimes we waste time, but we earnestly desire for our time to be used for God's glory and not our own. This is the kind of person that you should be looking for and this is the type of person that you should be. Okay, so we've got that question. So only you can answer that and I want you to answer that honestly. How are you doing with all that? Or frankly, do you just not care about any of that stuff and you're just doing your own thing? If you're just not going to care about any of this stuff and do your own thing, then you have just lit your fuse and the self-destruct is going to go and it's not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before things implode in your life. But you can stop and turn around. It is possible. All right, second question. Am I actively involved and faithful in the work of the Lord? So the first one is evangelism. The second one is discipleship. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 4 for the first one, and chapter 2 for the next one. 2 Timothy. Evangelism is the first blank. Discipleship is the second blank. Am I actively involved? Not intermittently involved. Not kind of, sort of involved. Active. Active. Great example is that Sam is on the inactive list because he hurt his shoulder. Right? Can't do anything. Kind of. You shouldn't be playing. You should be on the inactive list because you're getting shoulder surgery. But hey, that's a different story for a different day. So when it comes to those sorts of things, if you're in the game, it's because you're healthy. It's because you're able to play. So if you're actively involved in the work of the Lord, evangelism, some form of evangelism will occur. I'm not saying that you have to go up to everybody and be that weirdo in the coffee shop like that video that we shared a couple weeks ago where you're just this weird, stupid Jesus freak that no one wants to even be friends with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about do you have a heart for people? Do you look for opportunities to give them the gospel? And are you faithful with doing it? Even if it's something small. Do you have a heart for people to come to church? And do you ever invite them to church? Anything, anything at all. You should be active in evangelism and discipleship. You should be active in discipleship. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. That's what the Bible says. It's not some second tier, serious Christian type stuff. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And as a disciple, you follow Jesus. 
You do what Jesus does, and you speak what Jesus speaks. This is what you do. And you learn more and more and more as you walk with him how to walk, how to talk, and how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, it says, wait a minute, that's not right. Come on. It is? Oh, I'm in 1 Timothy, that's why. See, books matter. 2 Timothy... I know, I know. I just wasn't in the right place. See, you've got to be in the center of God's will. Otherwise, things don't make sense. Okay, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now, Paul was talking to Timothy, who was a pastor at the time, and this is what he told him to do. And really, from Timothy's like, story and who he is as a person, he really wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't. There are other people that were. Like Philip, you find him in the book of Acts, he was an evangelist. God sent him special places to share the gospel with certain people. Timothy was really not an evangelist. He was more of an encourager. Paul sent Timothy into churches, to pastors, and to people that needed encouraged, that needed lifted up to see how they were doing, to report back to Paul. That's the kind of guy Timothy was. So Paul told him, do the work of an evangelist. It may not be your niche, but do it. Always have the heart for sharing the gospel with people. And then 2 2, our discipleship verse. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You are being invested in, and you are learning and growing in your walk with God, and there's someone else in your life that you are investing spiritual things into. And let me give you a little quick hint you don't have to finish discipleship to disciple somebody, you don't have to. It's not like we have this, no, you can't, don't talk to your friends about the Bible. You haven't finished discipleship yet. No, we don't do that. We don't do that at all. All of you have an opportunity to share something with somebody else. There's always somebody else who knows less than you do about spiritual matters. Do you share it with them? Do you try to influence people? Do you see other friends that are doing things that are ungodly and you care about them and you go to them and you talk to them? opening up your Bible and telling them what they, what they aren't doing right because you love and you care about them. That's all I'm doing right now on a Sunday morning. I care about you guys. If I didn't care about you, I'd just tell you to do whatever you want. But I care about you guys. I've made some huge mistakes. I've got some huge wounds and scars that will never go away. I don't wish that on anybody, especially you guys, especially you guys. And you should be pursuing someone that has that same heart. So are you actively involved? Maybe you need to be more active. Maybe you're just stagnant and you've just lost these things. You need to get back in the game. I don't know. God knows where you're at. And so you heard this. And so now you're responsible to do whatever he's convicted you to do. All right, number three. Am I faithful in the little things in my life? Am I faithful in the little things in my life? Go to Luke 16. Luke 16. Am I faithful in the little things? If you are faithful in the little things, then you are maturing as a person. If you are not faithful, then you, you still are very immature and you're acting like a child. Luke 16. Okay. Love this verse. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much 
So the principle here, before going on to verse 11, is that if you're not faithful with the little things in your life, God cannot trust you with the big things. We've already talked a little bit about that. If you don't know how to possess your own vessel, your own body, then he's not going to entrust another vessel to you. Or if he does, then you better learn quick because you're going to be held accountable to it. That's the only way that's going to work. But if you're faithful in the least, then you will be faithful in much. Look at verse 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You know, I just ran into this yesterday. So obviously you know my children. My children are a little, you know, on the wild side. I always describe them as high octane because they are go, 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 run, 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 run. So yesterday we're at Roar's Nursery, right? Because they had food trucks, free food. I'm like, heck yeah, free lunch. And it was nice to see the Roars as well. I'll just say that. Um, so my kids were running around, and there came a point where, like, I lost Lucas. He just ran off. They're with the Judas boys. You're welcome. <laughs> However, <laughs> there's a lot of places to go, a lot of things to see. You know, they've got fish, they've got ponds, they've got all this kind of stuff that's out there. So we lose track of them. But before we lost track of them, they were up on these rocks and playing in, like, this water fountain area. And I told Lucas on two occasions, don't throw rocks in the pond. And then finally I had to remove him from that situation. And then he leaves and I don't know where he's at. And then we have to go and we have to find him. And I tell him, I want you to stay by me. Does he stay by me? No. He runs off again. And then I come and I get him and he's in bigger trouble then. I'm like, I need, you are not leaving my side. You're not leaving my side. I had no idea where you were. And then I had to keep an eye out on him the entire time from the rest point. And here's what happened. Lucas stopped me and he's like, why don't you trust me? Why don't you just trust me? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to. Why don't. Why just. Why can't you just trust me? Like he talks to me like that. Yep. Which we're working on that one too. And so I said, really? Do you really want to know why I can't trust you? And he says, yes. And I said, all right. And I started listening. Of all the things that he did not do that were very simple instructions. But because you cannot do these things, I cannot trust you to go there logic spiritually same thing there are many of us god why can't you just trust me or my youth leaders say that i'm not ready to date i just don't understand they just don't get it they don't know my circumstance they don't okay hold on a second here hold on do you know why you're not ready i mean do you really want to know boom 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 and you know it but you're just so convinced that you're ready that you've blanketed all these things. Well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Bull. Yes, you are, because you've not having a proven track record that you can be trusted with something as major as this. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Get these things in order between you and the Lord, and then you can possibly do this over here in God's time. You have to trust Him. But we get so stinking emotional like the stupid Judge Kavanaugh situation, that emotions dictate truth rather than facts. And you need to go back to the facts. Am I really ready to date someone? Am I really ready to be entrusted with someone else's heart? Well, if you can't take care of your own, no. Then stop and take a minute and evaluate it and spend some quality time with God and get these things nailed down before you take such a big, giant leap in that direction. Because once you're over here and now you have someone else's heart, if, you're, if, you, if you mess that up, guess what's going to happen? It's not just you anymore. You're messing up someone else's heart. 
and you're potentially scarring and bruising someone else's life. And how do you know for sure that you're going to marry them? Maybe that's someone else's future spouse one day. And you've just damaged their heart for their future spouse. Thanks. We don't think about these things. We get caught up in the moment with the emotions. We don't think about other people and the circumstances in their heart. We don't. Yeah, Jamie. Absolutely. And then you're going to be held accountable for that. And you're going to have to own up to it. That is gut-wrenching. Don't go there. Just don't go there. It's better not to go there than to go there and then have to say, I'm sorry. It's better to just purpose in your heart, like Daniel, to not even go there. To not even defile yourself. To do things the right way. Is it going to be longer? Yes. Is it going to be worth it? Heck yes. Believe me. If you don't want to believe me, believe God. It will be better. It will be way better. Trust me. It will be better. So are you faithful in the little things? So when it comes to your prayer and your Bible studying and your reading, discipleship tasks, your homework and other schoolwork, your chores and responsibilities around your home, your job responsibilities, spending money, how are you with money, your personal time that God's given you, are you faithful in those little things? Okay. So... Basically, you have those three questions that you need to internally ask yourself and really evaluate between you and God. And if you need help with that, then come and talk with one of your leaders. I mean, we'd love to have this kind of conversation. There are very few students that take advantage of what I just said. There are very few students that will stop me and meet with me and say, hey, do you think I'm ready to date? In fact, you know what? Out of all the years of youth ministry, you know how many have asked me that? One. One out of all the students that have come through, only one have asked me that. Now, I'm just one opinion, and I get that, and maybe you have these conversations with your parents at home. But I would bet that if you're not willing to ask me that question or one of your other youth leaders, you're not willing to ask your parents that. Okay, so out of all those things, kind of laying all that stuff down, that's the person you need to be. So the last question is this. Am I attracted to someone that is in the center of God's will? Am I attracted to someone that is actively involved and faithful in the work of the Lord? And am I attracted to someone that is faithful in the little things in their life? Does that attract you? Maybe you guys are currently interested or dating in someone right now, or dating someone right now. Maybe, and can you say that they are walking in the center of God's will? Can you say that they are actively involved in the work of the Lord? Can you say that they are faithful in the little things in their life? If that is a no, then you are attracted to the wrong person. And this is as plain as I can get it. You are attracted to the wrong person. I'm not saying that they can't be one day, but they aren't the right person now. And if they aren't the right person now, then how can they be? How can you be 100% sure that they are going to be the right person later? These are some very hard questions. And I know some of you um, want to just shut me out. I pray that you don't because these things matter big time. Big time. Let's close with this last paragraph. Going back to the very beginning, 
and most important part of this series, our relationship with God must be our top priority. Our personal relationship with God impacts every other relationship in our life. When our relationship with God is not right, no other relationship will be right, and especially when it comes to dating. As we walk with God daily, we will find ourselves glorifying Him by being in the center of His will, actively taking ownership in His work, and being faithful in every area of our life. Not because it is our duty, but because we love Him. When you live this kind of life, the love for God and His work becomes such a focus becomes such a focus that you consistently pursue the Lord in all aspects of your life. This focus shapes your character, values, habits, behavior, and decisions, and especially your future career and potential spouse. In fact, and this is the part I'm getting to you, you may be so busy pursuing God that you will not even be looking for your future spouse. He, God, will have to be the one to introduce you to. That is best case scenario. It's not always realistic, but I'm telling you, get so busy in God's work, doing God's will, doing it God's way, that you are so stinking busy, you don't have time to even think about dating somebody, and God will bring someone your way in his time. I promise. He will. He will. And you know, I know some people that say it's better not to date and not to marry until I actually find that person. If that person never comes, then so be it. Do you have enough character to actually have that on your resume? (laughs) Do you have enough biblical, godly character to say, you know what, if God never brings the right person my way, then I'll remain single for the rest of my life? That's a tough question to ask. That's a tough question to ask. But it's a good question to ask, and I hope that you ask yourself that. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you take these things and hide them deep within our heart. And God, uh, you know, people that are in this room are literally all over the place on this topic. Um, And so you know where they're at. You know what they need. And so I pray that you would teach them and that you would guide them appropriately. And I pray, God, that they'd be willing to talk to some other people about their circumstance and be honest. And if they're not God, I just pray somehow you'd intervene and that you'd teach them in a way that would lessen the damage that it's going to create in their life. Because uh, the fallout is going to happen, but I pray, God, that you'd be gracious to them and that you'd help them. Um, so, God, you know where everyone's at, and I pray that your will would be done, and I pray that we'd always have a heart to do the things that are right. Thank you for our time together this morning, and uh, I pray that you'd open up our understanding in the main service, that we'd learn whatever you want us to learn in there. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, don't forget Tim Hawkins. We need that money in real soon. And then we'll have the hiking sign-up on Wednesday.